Hey guys, this is John Odermatt, the host of Felony Friday. Just want to come at you real quick before we get today's show started. If you didn't hear the news, YouTube has demonetized our channel. That sucks. What's happening in this country, uh, what's happening with our government, what's happening with our big tech organizations is disgusting, my friends. When people like us, people like Lions of Liberty, good people like myself who are trying to make a change, trying to have a positive impact and better society by reforming our criminal justice system, when channels like ours are demonetized, I would hope that you would stand behind us and help to support us. You can do that in a couple ways. Do you drink coffee? Would you drink our coffee? Would you try our morning roar blend? Go to lionsofliberty.com slash coffee and pick up a bag of the morning roar and help us out a little bit. Or if you really want to help us out, please visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash lionsofliberty and kick a few bucks our way every single month. Thank you so much for your support. Welcome to Felony Friday, a presentation of the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, John Odermatt. Felons, friends, and freedom lovers, welcome back to Felony Friday, your favorite show that focuses on talking about the criminal justice system, looking at ways to improve the criminal justice system, and also sharing stories of injustice, shining a light on stories of injustice. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about ways, actually things that are happening right now, people who are making moves to improve the criminal justice system. And to do this by making it so uh, people, instead of, you know, when they're arrested on the street, maybe they have an addiction problem, something like that. Instead of getting thrown in jail, locked in a cage, they are steered towards a helping hand and someone that can actually help them with their uh, addiction crisis. Today, I am joined by two awesome guests, a police chief and an expert in addiction recovery who have team, teamed up to create just an awesome program right here in Pennsylvania. One of a kind program. And, you know, I'm not, uh, I don't think I'm going overboard saying this, but this is going to revolutionize the way that addiction and policing happens in Pennsylvania and very well could revolutionize the way we look at this throughout the country. I'm very, very hopeful. And I'm very excited for you guys to get to hear from these two gentlemen. Um, they are very, very passionate about what they're doing. And it's amazing what can happen when two reasonable people come together and have an idea, have a vision for a way that they can make society better. So I'm going to introduce those two guys in just a minute. Before I do that, I want to remind you, want to let you know that since this is the 184th episode of Felony Friday, that means the show notes page can be found at lionsofliberty.com slash FF184. So go there for the show notes page. <clears throat> this is your first time listening to the show, please consider subscribing wherever you're listening to this podcast, be it Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast. There's so many podcast apps out there. Just click that little subscribe button on your magical listening device in your pocket that some people refer to as a cell phone. I like to refer to it as my podcast listening device. Click subscribe. Please give us a, a little five-star rating. Leave a nice little review if you like what you hear. 
And uh, you can also mosey on over to uh, our website, lionsofliberty.com. You can drop me an email, felonyfriday at lionsofliberty.com, and let me know what you think. Let's stop beating around the bush, guys. Let's get started with today's episode. On today's episode of Felony Friday, we're going to be talking about a very unique and important program right here in Pennsylvania, uh, the state where I'm located. This is the other side of the state. I'm in Pittsburgh. This is over in Elizabethtown Borough. Uh, We're going to be talking about a program called Second Chance PA. It's a pre-arrest diversion program for addicts, and it's the Elizabethtown Borough and Northwest Regional Police Departments who have joined up with Blueprints for Addiction Recovery. And they're establishing resources that favor uh, rehabilitation over incarceration, hope over helplessness, helplessness, life over death. And today I'm joined by Blueprints for Addiction Recovery CEO, Christopher Dreisbach. Say hello, Christopher. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Felons and not. And Elizabethtown Police Chief Edward M. Cunningham. Hi, John. Uh, just call me Ed. Just call you Ed? Yes. Okay. I'm glad we got that out of the way. I was going to be calling you uh, Chief Cunningham the entire show. So, <laughs> um, let's. I, Chris has been on the show before. I think about. I think it was 50 episodes ago, episode 134 of Felony Friday. So, you know, we don't need to hear Chris's whole backstory. You know, he went into that in that episode. We don't need to rehash that. We're gonna. I want to focus on this program because it's so unique, and I think. Um, from what you from what you guys are, are doing and really implementing um, in your local community, I think I, I want to just shine a light on that. So, Chris, but if you could just tell us a little bit quickly for people that haven't heard that episode, just a little bit about Blueprints for Addiction Recovery and why you're so passionate about um, helping people who suffer from addiction. So Blueprints for Addiction Recovery is a state-licensed drug and alcohol treatment project. We operate out of five separate locations here in south-central Pennsylvania. Um, I'm personally very passionate about this criminal justice work with Chief Cunningham and the other police in this area because I myself was arrested and am a felon. Uh, I spent nearly 700 days of my life in jail uh, for drug-related offenses and things related to my addiction and really, really love working with progressive people like Ed to help other people avoid the struggles that I had to go through. Thank you for sharing that, Christopher. And uh, Ed, if you could just tell us, uh, you know, what attracted you to a career in law enforcement and what's your career progression been? Have you been in Elizabethtown the whole time? Have you, have you moved around a little bit? No, I actually, I am a, uh, a third generation police officer. Uh, my dad and grandfather were both uh, police officers. Um, and I got my start. Uh, I worked a, a couple of small departments uh, south of Pittsburgh, part-time until I finally, in 1995, got hired full-time by the city of Pittsburgh police. And I had a wide range of experiences working about 23 years with Pittsburgh, uh, worked my way up. I finally, uh, when I left Pittsburgh, my rank was a lieutenant. And um, I, I saw the damage that was done by uh, drug abuse and drug use and and I saw that uh, we were arresting a lot of people for um, for small amounts of drugs, and when what they really needed was help. Uh, the problem was I just didn't have the resources to do anything about it in Pittsburgh. 
Um, January of last year, I got hired as the chief of police here in Elizabethtown, January of 18. And um, just through the progression of doing my job, I met Chris and we, uh, we, we came up with this really, uh, really interesting idea of trying to let the, the police be the gateway to helping people who need help get help. In my career, I've done uh, I've done some works, some work in uh, drug work, some in uh, crisis negotiations, some in patrol. Uh, I, I've had a very uh, widely varied uh, career, um, but this is one of the things that I've always been uh, pretty passionate about: is trying to get people help who who need the help. That's fantastic. So, what uh, what community is south of Pittsburgh? I, I live south of Pittsburgh. Uh, I actually worked out in Hanover Township in Washington County, um, okay. out where it, it's now, I guess, it, it was the Star Lake Amphitheater. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I know so that I was too. one of the officers that worked there. Uh, worked real hard in the summertime and not at all in the winter. Yeah, not, not much going on there in the winter. That's, that's no. cool. Um, so I'm curious. So this program, you guys met each other. Was it, Chris, did, did, you, uh, did you approach Ed or, or how did this come about? That I'm not a thousand percent sure. Uh, I think maybe my office reached out to him as the new chief of police. And uh, we just wanted to talk a little bit about blueprints and what we could do to help residents of Elizabethtown and and really just introduce him. And little did I know that Ed was a a progressive police chief that really wanted to make an impact in people's lives and change the way things are done in Pennsylvania. And he can talk a little bit more about the small meeting that turned into this awesome program. It, it started off as just, I, when I first got here, I was trying to meet as many business owners as I could. And uh, with Chris being a business owner here in town, we got it set up through a mutual acquaintance and uh, just planned to have a 15-minute meeting. And we started talking, and that 15-minute meeting uh, initially turned into about a three-hour uh, afternoon. And that's where we really got the ball rolling for the second chance program. Yeah, I, I do remember Chris called me. This was probably b- before the program started. I was, uh, mm-hmm. we have a mutual friend in uh, Dale Kearns who ran for U.S. Senate. And uh, I remember Chris talking about how excited he was about this program um, and just the potential of it b- before it even rolled out. So um, I know that how long has, has this been? implemented for it? like what's the what's the time for when was the kickoff date per se the official kickoff date was january 1st of this year um, we were actually doing some test cases through the end of november and into december mm-hmm. and, and got a few people connected with the service as we were trying to work out the um, all of the details uh, but the official launch was january 1st of this year okay and just to give some background on, on how it works. So it's a pre-arrest diversion program for addicts. So what types of cases, what types of situations would this program, and feel free, I, I, I should probably say, whoever can best address the question, just jump in. You guys can both address it. I mean, this isn't directed to any one of you, but how does that work on a case-by-case basis? Go ahead, Chief. Go ahead. The things, the things that we're looking at for pre-arrest, and pre-arrest diversion is just um, one, 
one portion of the overall program. And we look at with second chance, um, when we were building it, when Chris and I were building it, we took the best parts of a number of different programs from around the country to put it together for something that we thought would be unique and really address all of the pro the problems that we saw that we were facing. And for, for a pre-arrest diversion, it would be something that's a small level, um, a, a small amount of possession uh, or a paraphernalia charge, or maybe something like, uh, you know, Chris and I were just talking about this uh, earlier today, how a lot of times uh, theft cases are really the, the, the addiction is the motivator mm-hmm. behind a theft case. And so if we have a small theft case, that might be a, um, that might be a candidate uh, for, for the pre-arrest diversion. Um, basically, it's, it's not, it's summary cases, very low-level misdemeanors. We're obviously not going to be ignoring felonies. Uh, we're not going to be ignoring anything violent. Um, and, and when I'm saying felonies, I'm saying things that the criminal justice system says has to be addressed through an arrest. Um, it's going to be the smaller ones, the smaller cases that we would have the discretion at the magistrate's office to knock down to you know, a fine or something like that. Those are going to be the kind of cases that, we're, that are the true pre-arrest diversion. Um, some of the larger cases, we're not abandoning those people. Um, if, if a person comes to us or if we come in contact with a person who needs the help but who is facing a more serious charge, then the police officers go into more of an advocate role. And we still make contact with the, the, the recovery specialist. We still make contact and make a referral through the Second Chance program. And we move into um, helping them get the help that they need once they've addressed the legal issues that have to be addressed. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, another big part of the program is that we've also turned the police stations into uh, gateways, into, into safe places that a person can come and say, um, you know, excuse me, but I need help. I can't do this anymore. I need help. And if they happen to have a little bit of paraphernalia on them or a small amount of drugs or something, then that would be something that we're not going to arrest them for asking for help. That's great. So, so from there, once, uh, so say someone walks into the police station or say one of these, um, arrests or uh, is made, or I guess it's a, before they're, they're mm-hmm. arrested. Um, what, what happens then is blueprints contacted or how does, how does that play out? The officers can call and, and the officers have received training on how to do an initial assessment of, you know, is this person a good candidate for the second chance program? And we have a phone number through blueprints for the, um, the, the certified recovery specialists. And there are several of them that Chris has on, uh, on call for us. And we have a number that we can call 24 hours a day, seven days a week, uh, any time of the day. And we have a commitment through the second chance program that someone, uh, you know, a live person will answer the phone and will talk to us and will, if, if it's appropriate, 
will come out whatever time it is, will come out to where we need them and begin the assessment process to get this person into help immediately. And that's one of the things that makes our program unique among all the other programs in the country that we were able to find Mm -hmm. is that we have the CRS who will come to the scene of where we are and begin immediately working to get the person help. CRS stands for? Certified Recovery Specialist. Okay. So that's somebody who is trained uh, to meet a person where they are, a person who is pre-recovery to try to get them into recovery and certified by our loving overlords at the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. (laughs) (laughs) So Chris, um, this, uh, this initiative, second chance for PA, how's it, how's it funded? Is it a part of blueprints? Is it a separate, uh, entity is, um... it is entirely a separate entity from blueprints. I obviously am the CEO of Blueprints, so Blueprints is in everything that I do. Uh, But Second Chance PA is a completely separate initiative. Uh, Up until very recently, it has been completely self-funded by Blueprints and myself personally. Uh, We are very close to attaining nonprofit status with the great overlords at the federal government. And at that point, we will then shift to an entirely uh, different structure where we have a board uh, that includes several notable folks and Chief Cunningham included, uh, and will then be able to begin fundraising and have it become its own self-supporting entity and hopefully show everybody uh, that private citizens can do a lot to help this epidemic. Excellent, excellent. So uh, this went into effect several months ago. Can you give us any idea of what sort of impact's been made so far? Is there any anything you can share? Chief, that's you. Go ahead. Okay. Um, We've had, to date, um, we've had 56 referrals, um, mostly through the three three partners in the very beginning were uh, Elizabethtown Police, Northwest Regional Police, and Susquehanna Valley EMS. We were the three who got in at the very beginning, and we're slowly bringing in other police departments and other uh, EMS providers uh, to start making this program available to people where they need it. Um, we, we actually have training scheduled for two other police departments coming up in the next month or two. And I, Chris and I both have meetings with several other chiefs to try to expand the program. Um, but at this point, we've had 56 referrals, um, and we're doing pretty much anything that we can think of to get this help out to other people. Um, one of the things that, that we're, we're doing is that we got Chris involved in coming to our DUI checkpoints. And we have a blueprints uh, specialist, recovery specialist, I'm sorry, a second chance recovery specialist coming to all of our uh, stationary DUI checkpoints. So if we find somebody at a DUI checkpoint, who needs, who is suffering from addiction and needs help, uh, we're able to get it for them immediately right there on the scene at the, at the, the stationary checkpoint. Um, and, and we have, we have some uh, very notable uh, success stories. Um, our very first referral to the program 
actually we kicked off at what at noon chris like at noon on january 1st and we got our first call at seven o'clock that night and it was a uh, a woman who was suffering from alcohol addiction uh who was at risk of losing her nursing job and second chance was able to connect her uh with a rehab and with the services that she needs and she was able to uh complete the the beginning part of that and my understanding is she's doing very well with beating that addiction that's fantastic so if i can add to that john mm-hmm. yeah, please may I, may I thank you jump jump uh, in that was actually before January 1st. That was before we had even officially launched. And okay. one of the officers that we had done the training with encountered a, a wonderful lady uh, passed out behind a dumpster. And when she had woke up uh, from her alcohol-induced stupor, she got a little aggressive with the officer. And thankfully, that officer had been through our training, and he understood a little bit about compassion in times of crisis and a little bit about the brain science of addiction. And he had forethought to say, hey, let's call this certified recovery specialist in and get her some help. Now, if she had gotten charged with, you know, attacking a police officer or public drunkenness or whatever it might have been, she might have been at risk of losing her nursing license. And Mm -hmm. through this program, our first case uh, saved that lady's nursing license, saved her job, her means of living. And I'm assuming that without alcohol, she's probably even a much better nurse than she was previously. So. Just in case number one, uh, I think we made a pretty huge impact right away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and contributing value to society—that's uh, that's that's it's winning all around. So you talked about the, this training, Chris. Um, what? How extensive is the training? What are what are some of the things that are uh, that are taught? The training is very extensive. Uh, that's somewhat sarcastic, but. Uh, we do we do the first 20 minutes or so on the brain science of addiction, actually teaching the officers that out on the street interacting with people about the brain science of addiction so that they understand that addiction is an illness and not a choice. And it's pretty eye-opening to a lot of them because it's information that most of the, them were never really shown or mm-hmm. introduced to. Uh, we go on a little bit. After that, we talk about the levels of care and proper treatment for addiction so that they understand what's going to happen to the people that they encounter moving forward. And then afterwards, we talk a little bit about being compassionate in times of crisis and understanding that the people that they're meeting are, in fact, possibly at the low point of their lives and in extreme crisis, even though it may not appear to be so at every time. Uh, We talk a little bit about uh, my life and, and things that happened with me and how I was able to turn things around and how uh, police officers were able to have impacts on me, be they positive or negative. And it's really just a spirited discussion more so than a training even. Right. So looking at this program a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, um, what's what's the vision? What What's the goal? I think the overall uh, goal long-term would be to have addiction not be a crime. I think really uh, treating it as a health issue and not a, a criminal issue with the help of great progressive police officers and police chiefs uh, in the area. I'd hope within five or 10 years, we can get this as close to statewide as possible. And uh, we're in it for the long haul. I don't plan on retiring for at least another 50 years. And chief, he's getting a little closer than I am, but uh, <laughs> that's my vision. I don't know. Ed, you got anything to add? Well, the the long term vision also touches on the um, as I say like the one A and one B but the tied for first most important part of 
of the Second Chance program is that we're also one of our major goals and major uh, visions in the program is to kill the stigma between people who are suffering from addiction and police officers and to, from both from both directions. Um, we want to show people who are suffering from addiction that they don't need to be afraid of the police, uh, that we really do want to get them help. Uh, so in working together and showing them a level of that, uh, that a level of trustworthiness that they can ask us for help and we will actually do what we say that we'll do. And we will connect them with the services they need. We will not sneak up behind them and drop charges on them two months later or three months later. Um, you know, that we really are going to do what we said that we would do. And also from the, the point point of the police officers, um, introducing them to the fact that the person who's suffering from addiction is a person who has an illness. It, it's, you know, they're not all criminals. They're not all uh, the dirty word of addicts. There's, there's someone who's suffering from addiction. And that if we start to see each other as human beings, then we can start to work together to make it so that addiction doesn't kill anybody anymore. Um, and Chris, do you want to talk about how we're doing that with the, the meetings? Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, so we've actually started doing groups in our treatment centers with police officers uh, coming in and breaking down that stigma, sitting together with a group of people suffering from substance use disorder, uh, really just spending an hour and a half or an hour talking about issues, uh, talking about issues that people have against the police, talking about the police stigma against uh, drug addicts. And it's just been a real, real eye-opening experience for everybody that's been involved so far because you see the reactions of people who are in treatment looking at a uniformed police officer in their space and they're, they're noticeably bothered, noticeably upset, uh, you know, scared. A lot of emotions happen. So then the counselor that facilitates the group actually will work through it with them and try and figure out what the root of that fear is and try and figure out uh, the root of all of the negative connotation that comes along with police and drug addicts. And it, it's a real beautiful, beautiful thing to watch. And thankfully I've been able to uh, be a part of three or four of those as a person who used to have a, a strong hatred for police. Uh, I'm now sitting in a police station with a chief of police uh, talking to you. So it's just a real beautiful stigma to get an end to because there are police that are out here to help uh, people who are suffering. And I love it. You know, th this is just so awesome to hear. And, you know, a couple of things are, are rushing through my mind. Um, you know, seeing the, the two of you, I mean, you guys are reasonable people coming at this from different perspectives. And I'm just thinking, you know, why isn't this happening in more communities? Um, and that's the question, too. Everyone wants to take it. But what, what's really holding us back from, from having a program like this in every state? Money. I I think money has, has a lot to do with it. And it's, I really think that it was two guys drinking a cup of coffee said, Hey, and both of us said, Hey, we got this really dumb idea. Why can't we make it happen? Mm -hmm. And the, the more we started building on it, it was the two of us sitting down and saying, why can't we make it happen? And, you know, it, it took a little bit of courage on his part to, to say to his partners, 
hey, I want to bring and I want to make the police our partners in this. And, you know, and, and for me to talk to police officers and say, we're going to try this new, this new thing and we're going to try everything that we can to make it work. And just, I think that's, those are the two big things is why we're not seeing it more places is just nobody, nobody's tried it yet. Yeah. And the stigma, the stigma is real as well. It is. Uh, and, and realistically as a former, well, not a former, but a current felon, a <laughs> lifelong felon uh, until governor Wolf pardons me and hint, if you're watching, uh, you know, until that point, uh, most felons don't associate with police officers. Uh, realistically speaking, we we come from different ends of the spectrum, and to be able to bridge that gap and stand shoulder to shoulder and talk about how we can help be invested in the health of the community and how we can help do anything we can to help our community move forward, uh, I think there's just a, a lot of people that haven't even thought that was possible. And, and that, I think, might be stopping other people from doing it as well. But I can tell you that I've met countless police officers who love this initiative and take this initiative extremely seriously. And uh, I couldn't even be more proud to call them my friends today. That's awesome. Has the, I know there's been a couple articles written. I, I read them in preparation for the interview. But what, what type of media coverage would you say there's been? Do you think it's this has been covered adequately across the state or...? Not across the state. I mean, in South Central Pennsylvania, we've had all of our local news stations, save one, uh, cover the beginning of the program, uh, follow up. And then just recently, the other night, we had one uh, follow up with a specific case and see how she was doing. And she's been sober now five months and doing fantastic, uh, yeah. really just crushing life. And uh, they, they've chronicled it. Uh, the newspaper did, you know, one article here in Lancaster. Um, so with the limited media that we have in Lancaster County, I think they've done a pretty, pretty tremendous job chronicling it. And we've also been using our social media, um, our getting it out in whatever social media outlets we have access to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've been publicizing it there as well. So one last question. What about other police departments um, have, from across the country, has anyone reached out asking about what you're doing? Maybe trying to to use this model or asking about a similar model in, in their state. Across the country, no. Um, as I said before, we we've made contact and we're starting to slowly expand within our ca- county. Mm-hmm. And we have some interest in York County, which is right next door. Um, but uh, I'm also. I know I'm going to a statewide conference next week. I'm going to be talking about the program uh, there. And we're just, we're starting to push. I, I also, I want to be careful that we don't grow too quickly and and then not be able to fulfill our promise uh, by growing too quickly. But we definitely, uh, I, you know, Chris and, and everybody who's working at Second Chance and supporting that from his end, They've got some great plans in place, and all we have to do is just connect with other police departments. That's a really good point. I hadn't thought of thought of growing too quickly, but that really could happen, especially when you talk about expanding into more populated areas where you're going to have you know higher quantity, more instances of of cases where where you need people to to be able to 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 be present and to be on the scene. So. 
Yeah, hadn't, hadn't yep. thought about that. Um, so how? I mean, what's been the what's been the strategy so far with with ramping up, Chris? Um, have you been able to find enough people to enough? What is it? Uh, CRS? CR? Am I saying it right? Yeah, CRS certificate. I mean, we could we could hire CRSs for days, uh, literally all across the state. It's a relatively new position that uh, the state created probably two three years ago, uh, and there are an increasing number of people attaining that certification, and there aren't really all that many jobs for them. Uh, so I think that this could solve even some economic problems as well if we were to go statewide. But again, being self funded and being uh, soon to be funded on donations alone. Uh, it's going to take us a little bit because Philadelphia is a big old city. And I don't know if you've ever been to Pittsburgh, Chief, but that's a big old <laughs> city. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, uh, that's that'll be a good problem to have. Um, hopefully, that's a problem that um, you guys encounter here in the in the near future. Uh, growing too grow, I mean, you'd rather grow too quickly than uh, than not have interest in uh, implementing the program. So, yeah, I uh, just want to give you guys both a chance to uh, to talk about where people can learn more about this this initiative, where they can um, maybe I don't know if I guess they can they get involved with donating yet. Is that is that possible or so? Probably within the next one to two weeks, uh, we should have a, a donate button up on our website, uh, www.secondchancepa.com. Uh, it might become an org at some point. I don't know. Uh, we should have a donate button up then. As of right now, we are not officially allowed to accept donations. Uh, but if you want to keep your eyes peeled on the Facebook page, Second Chance PA, uh, there will be an announcement hopefully very soon, as soon as the IRS allows us to accept donations for this purpose. Um, Chief, you got any other? Uh, and, and of course, um, I, I don't know how you you can make a, a a link available, but you know anybody who's looking for information is welcome to send me an email, and I'll share every anything that we have, uh, the promotional materials that we have. I have them all, and and Chris does too. Have them all electronic, uh, electronically stored, so we can email them out uh, very quickly. And um, for other police departments that are that watch your podcast, definitely send me an email, give me a call, and I, you know, I I love this program. I love how it's working here. And usually, you know, if you get me talking about it, I'll go on and on about how it came about and how we run it. And uh, so, if you have even just, you know, another police officer who's watching this podcast, mm -hmm. shoot me an email. I'll give you some information. You can tell the chief to call me and we'll talk to chief to chief. And uh, I think that's how we're going to make uh, make those contacts and get this to grow. And the, the good thing is that what we have, at least from the police side, is something that any police officer can make a decision to do. Um, there are there are treatment providers everywhere in the state, and if they call us, we may not be able to get them get to them right now because of where they are. But Chris and his team of people have contacts throughout the the state and pr pretty much throughout the country. So if they call me, I can get them in touch with Chris and get them help right now. I think it's important to note that you don't have to be from Elizabethtown to come to the police station and get help. Uh, you could literally show up at this very location uh, mm -hmm. right now 
if you're from Pittsburgh, if you're from Philadelphia, if you're from Scranton, if you're from Williamsport and you're struggling and you don't know where else to turn or what else to do, uh, come here. Come here. The officers will connect you right with the certified recovery specialist. And it's one of the most beautiful things in the world to watch a police officer help. That's awesome. Um, <clears throat> just want to thank you both for for coming on the show and sharing this, but more importantly for, for, you know, being so instrumental in putting this program together. So the links that you talked about, uh, chief Cunningham, I'll make, uh, whatever contact information to give me, I'll put that on the show notes page with, which I'll share, uh, or I should say, which was shared at the beginning of this episode and, and everyone heard where they could find it. So, uh, that'll be available and, uh, for people to reach out and also, in a couple of weeks here, because podcasts are up forever. So if people hear this two weeks from now or three weeks from now or a year from now, they can go uh, find Second Chance PA and uh, and donate there. So uh, yep. thank you guys both again for for coming on the show and uh, for for fighting to change uh, this problem with addiction to solve it. Thanks, Joe. Well, thank you. Hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. That conversation that. I just had, and you just heard, with Christopher Dreisbach, the CEO of Blueprints for Addiction Recovery, and Edward Police Chief, Elizabethtown Police Chief, Edward M. Cunningham, two guys that are, you know, they're making a huge difference right now in their local communities in Pennsylvania, and I would not be surprised if we're uh, talking about them a couple years from now as two leaders who have really paved a path forward uh, for the way we look at addiction and policing in this country and a way to break down stigmas. So addicts are looking at police in a different light, in a better light, in a way where police are actually here to help. They're not here to ruin your life. And also a, a place where, as we talked about on the show, where police are looking at addicts, understanding that they're, they're dealing with someone who is struggling through an addiction, who is not in the right frame of mind, and who needs help, who doesn't need uh, to be charged with a crime and thrown in a cage and uh, have uh, that hung over them for the rest of their life and potentially lose their job and uh, really lose hope. Um, you know, Chris, uh, or they talk about on the website, on the Second Chance PA website, um, they talk about getting rid of hopelessness and replacing it with helpfulness. And that's exactly what they're doing. And it sounds cheesy to say that, but, it, you know, it's just so amazing to hear the, these two guys talk about it. And they make it sound so simple. And uh, it, it is simple, really. But the hard part is, as they talked about, is convincing, uh, you know, because there's stigmas on both sides, really, really ingrained strong stigmas on both sides here against people who suffer from addiction and from those addicts, from those people who, you know, might be felons, might have previous run-ins with the law, probably do, with their attitude towards police officers. And it's not like it's out of thin air. This is just the way things are. This is the way things have been. This is the way things have been. This is the way police officers have treated addicts forever. Uh, police officers are not looked upon as someone who was there to help. They're not looked upon as someone that you can go to if you uh, are looking to you know, find a, uh, a path forward to stop your addiction, find a treatment center, get connected with people that want to help you kick your addiction, not people that... Uh, you know, are going to throw you in a cage, which previously 
and still throughout the entire country, that's what police officer police officers are doing. If you're found with a, a small amount of drugs, a small amount of, uh, of paraphernalia, then there's a very good chance that even if you have your life together and you're working, but you might be uh, weighed down with this addiction. If you do have that arrest, that interaction uh, with that incident uh, with police, then it very well could derail your entire life. And I am so thankful that uh, that Chris and uh, Chief Cunningham have come together here and are really just paving a new path forward. And my hope for this podcast, my hope is that, first of all, that you are amazed this is happening. You're as amazed as I am and so excited to hear that this is happening. I, I don't know if you can hear it in my voice. I am so freaking excited uh, to see this happening in my state in Pennsylvania. You know, it's not happening on my side of the state, unfortunately, but it's happening in Pennsylvania. And I'm so excited to be able to help these two out to give them a platform. And what I want you to do, I'm going to ask you to do, those of you out there listening to this show, maybe you're just a regular guy like me. Maybe you've never had a, you know, a uh, run in with the police. You haven't been arrested. You haven't had uh, problems like that. Um, Please share the show. Or maybe you're somebody who has who has had runnings with police. Maybe you're a felon. Maybe you're, you're an addict. Maybe you've struggled um, with different substances. And you've seen the problems. You've seen how a life can be de- derailed uh, by an addiction. Please share this show. This is a path forward. Maybe you're a cop. Uh, maybe you're a former cop. Maybe you're a police chief. Maybe you're someone in the media. Please Look at what these two gentlemen are doing. Look at what they've put together with this initiative. And please share this show. Please shine a light on it so we can spread this around not only the state of Pennsylvania, but around the country. Because this is a reasonable path forward. This is its so easy to see that this needs to be the way police need to interact with addicts. The old way isn't working. The old way is leading to more and more people dying of overdoses, to more and more people uh, being sucked into the back alleys, the black market, taking dangerous drugs that uh, if a couple things are changed, their life could be steered in a way where they're not making those decisions. So I'm going to ask you to share this show. I'm going to ask you to subscribe to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Please consider supporting what we do here at Lions of Liberty. For a couple of reasons, because it's great content, and also we need your support. I mean, we don't have everybody uh, backing us. We just got our our YouTube channel. We were just demonetized on YouTube. So we need your help, and you can do that by going to our Patreon page and becoming a, a Patreon supporter. Go to patreon.com slash Liberty and uh, leave your support there. We have different levels you can join at. Anything and everything is very much appreciated. So... Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for sharing this show and spreading the word about Second Chance PA. You guys have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week. This is John Odermatt signing off. Always remember to keep your head up and the fires of Liberty burning.